If ever God demonstrated the greatness of his love and power, it was in the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. When we come to the cross and the empty tomb and we place our faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross and in his resurrection, then our sins are put to death and we experience new life. His story becomes our story. Uh, Paul talks about this in Romans in chapter 6. And he says, this is Romans 6 verses 8 through 11. He says, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death, is, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. And this is what Paul says in verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we place our faith in Christ, his story becomes our story. And our sins are put to death on the cross and we experience the new life uh, that comes uh, through Jesus' power. Uh, I want us to wrap our brains around one truth today and it is this, that out of tragedy, God brings triumph. Out of tragedy, God brings triumph triumph. Uh, I want to tell you a story this morning. Um, it's a story that happens in 1973 in Pasadena, Texas. In September of that year, uh, there was a hurricane that came into the Gulf Coast and uh, along with the, the winds came heavy rains, particularly to Pasadena, and it, and it flooded the streets early that week in September of 1973. And running through Pasadena, there is a bayou called Vince Bayou, and it, uh, it's a concreted um, creek, we might call it, a bayou. And um, as the streets flooded, there was water flowing pretty rapidly through Vince Bayou. And in the days that after, after the hurricane, the waters were still were flowing. There was a family that lived about three blocks away called the Meeks family. And um, on that uh, Wednesday, as the waters really are receding, but the water's still running down Vince Bayou, um, some of the boys from the Meeks family went to play. And even though their dad had told them not to play in the floodwaters, they had gone down and... Um, they made this makeshift raft and they began to float down Vince Bayou. Um, but somewhere in the midst of that, 
uh, things went bad. And uh, two of the boys were able to make it to shore, but the 10-year-old son named Eddie, uh, who could not swim, clung to that styrofoam and wouldn't let go. Uh, the other boys ran home and they got their dad, who happened to be home from work because of the flooding. And he worked for Brown and Root Construction and would normally be gone, but he was there that day and he told them not to, to play in the waters, but they had. And Mr. Meeks gets in his pickup and they begin to go along um, Vince Bayou looking for Eddie. And they come to a, a point and they find Eddie. And he is still on that, that piece of styrofoam, but he's caught up in some debris and he's, and he's crying out for help. Uh, but his dad cannot get to him. And uh, his dad runs, at one point runs back to his pickup and he gets, gets a rope. And he begins to try to throw this rope to Eddie so that Eddie can grab onto this and he can pull him to safety. But the rope, tragically enough, is too short. And he, even after many attempts, um, his dad cannot reach him. And eventually... Eddie doesn't have any more strength. And as his dad watched, uh, he saw his son let go. And uh, it was the last time he saw his son alive. Earlier that year, in 1973, to kind of pull in another element to the story, uh, Brother Daryl Robinson had been called as pastor of First Baptist Church of Pasadena. And um, that week the streets had been flooded and uh, they hadn't had normally what they would have had. But Thursday morning, um, the pastor is in the church office and a phone call comes from the funeral home. And the funeral home director... Um, tells the pastor that there's a family there that would like to meet with him about doing the funeral service for their 10-year-old son who had drowned the day before. Um, the year before, the uh, First Baptist Pasadena had started a bus ministry to the kids of their neighborhood and they'd reached many kids and uh, in their outreach, they had come to the Meek home. And even though the parents were not interested at all in church, they allowed the boys to go. And um, so the year before, Eddie Meek had started going uh, to First Baptist Pasadena on the bus. Uh, and by the providence of God... Uh, the month before these events, uh, the gospel had been shared with Eddie Meek. And as a 10-year-old boy, he'd given his life to Christ. Um, but it was not a decision that he had told his parents. But the parents, in the point of their need, they called the church. And so the pastor went to the funeral home and he met with the family 
Uh, Mr. Meek was a, a massive man. Um, the pastor describes that um, his clothes were still wet and dirty from his search the night before looking for his son's body, which had eventually been recovered about 3 o'clock in the morning. And the father of Eddie Meeks tells the story to the pastor of what had happened the day before. And um, the pastor consoled the family as best he could. And they made the arrangements that needed to be made for the funeral services later in the week. And uh, they agreed to meet at the house later that afternoon. And so later that day, after lunch, the pastor and the minister of music went to the Meeks' home. And other people from the church had been to that home before, but they had never been allowed in. But that day, uh, they were welcomed into that home. Uh, this was not a church-going family. And um, the father began to share the, reg the regrets of his life that uh, he'd done a lot of things with his boys, but he'd never been to church with his boys. And Brother Darrell Robinson in that moment told Mr. Meeks, he said, he said, you know, after all of this is over, I want to come back and I want to talk with you. And really in that moment, uh, the pastor realized, no, this is the time. And he went over to Mr. Meeks, who was in a recliner, and he knelt by, down beside him, and he took out a little track. <laughs> this is 1973, called The Four Spiritual Laws. And he began to work through that track with Mr. Meeks, Leroy Meeks. And some of y'all are old enough, you know that track of how it speaks of the gospel. Uh, starts with God loves you. Has a plan for your life. Uh, secondly, we've sinned and we've messed up what God intended and we're separated from God. Thirdly, that in the midst of that, that God out of His love for us and His pursuit for us he sent Jesus to die for our sins when we could not pay for our own sins to restore us, to reconcile us back to Him. And that each one of us must make a decision uh, to choose, to trust our lives to Christ. I, I still think about that little booklet. Um, at the end of that booklet, there's a prayer it's a question before that prayer. Is there any reason today that you wouldn't be willing to give your life to Christ and experience the life that He has? So Brother Darrell Robinson is going through the book and he comes to that place and he says to Leroy Meeks, would you be willing to confess your sin and give your life to Christ today. And he described that Leroy Meeks fell out of that chair. 
and in his moment of brokenness, kneels before his family and friends that were gathered there. And he prays and he confesses his sin. And he asks Jesus to forgive him and to come into his life and to save him. Daryl Robinson describes of how there was an immediate change in the countenance of Leroy Meeks. In those next few moments, Mrs. Meeks gave her life to Christ. And a couple of the friends that were gathered there gave their life to Christ. Uh, the night of the visitation, Brother Darrell Robinson and his wife went by to pay their respects to the Meeks family. And when they got to the funeral home, the uh, they saw this scene of um, those people that were connected to the Meeks gathered around. And, and particularly there were, there were kids who were Eddie Meeks and his siblings' age that were coming in and out and just crying uncontrollably, uncontrollably at uh, what had happened. <laughs> in the midst of those moments, one of those men named Clinton that uh, had been in the home the day before and had given his life to Christ. He, he, he saw the pastor and he said, Pastor, he said, could I gather up all these kids and could you tell them what you told us? And of course, <laughs> Daryl Robinson says, of course. And Daryl Robinson describes of how that, that group of kids was gathered around him and... Uh, he took his little New Testament and he turned to John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that group of 25 or 30 kids that were gathered around, He shared the gospel with them and He gave them an opportunity for any that would give their life to Christ that day to do so. And many of them did. Uh, the next day at the funeral, the family, in their newfound faith, said to the pastor, Would you, would you tell these people, not church-going people, what you told us? And so the same thing happens at the funeral, and more people give their life to Christ. Um, after the funeral, Brother Darrell Robinson asked Leroy, it was late in the week, and even though... Uh, the pastor prepared another sermon. He, he felt compelled to ask Leroy Meeks. He said, would it be all right if Sunday I told your story of what God has done? And Leroy Meeks agreed. And um, First Baptist Pasadena, uh, that Sunday, and I don't think the normal people knew what was coming, Brother Darrell Robinson stood. Instead of preaching the sermon he prepared, he, he told the story of what God had done that week. <laughs> and many of the people that had given their life to Christ had come that Sunday morning. And he said, you know, there's a lot of things. And he told the story of the rope and how the rope was too short. <laughs> uh, but that Jesus 
had a rope that was long enough to save us. And he talked about the ropes that are too short that mankind tries to throw out to God to be rescued. And he listed five things. He said it was nominal Christianity is a rope that is too short. Social religion is a rope that is too short. Living a good life is too short. Just talk is a rope too short. And finally, mere human effort is a rope too short. But that God had a rope that would reach them. And it was a rope that was created by the crucifixion of Jesus Christ who died for all of our sins. <laughs> Daryl Robinson describes that, uh, that Sunday a few minutes before 12, the invitation was given. And he said, Mr. and Mrs. Meeks came and then other family members and other friends and people just kept coming and coming and he said for an hour and a half people came and professed their faith in Jesus Christ and he said about 1.30 he said as we presented those people not only the front of the sanctuary but the sides of the sanctuary were filled with people that day had given their lives to Christ And in the weeks and months that followed, as Eddie Meek's story was told by his father and others, and the story of Jesus was told, dozens and dozens of dozens and dozens of people came to faith in Christ. I know that story because I've read it in a book. <laughs> uh, there's a whole chapter in Brother Darrell Robinson's book, it's entitled, The Rope and the Miracle. Uh, I don't just know it from the book, but uh, Ted and Barbara Ivey from our church were there in those days. In fact, Barbara Ivey was the pastor's secretary, and I visited with them about the story and the miracle that God did how out of one boy's death, God brought life to so many. <laughs> out of tragedy, God brings triumph. <laughs> out of tragedy, God brings triumph. That is the greatness of our God. He can take the circumstances in Eddie Meek's life, in our life, in Jesus' life, in what appears to be a tragedy. No, the greatness of His love and His power turns it into triumph. Um, I don't imagine any of you have ever heard that story before or are connected to that story in any way other than Ted and Barbara Ivy. Uh, but there is another story that all of us today who are listening are connected to. And it is the story of the cross and the empty tomb. It includes all of us and God in His redemptive love includes us in 
all of us in that story of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. <laughs> We're all included in the story first, quite honestly, because of choices that we've made. Uh, what the Bible calls sin. That all of us chose to do our own thing. It's kind of interesting. We all have that in common and it's the, the starting point of how we are get included in the story of the cross and the empty tomb. Uh, we all have the same common problem. But quite honestly, our dilemma goes even deeper than that and it's true for all of us. It's not just that we have chosen to do our own thing and because of that we are separated from God. Uh, no, it gets deeper than that because we have no way to make it right. Not only has our sin separated us from God, I don't have a rope long enough to rescue me. But the story of the cross and the empty tomb tells us that God, out of His love for us, took on human flesh. And yes, Jesus, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life. He taught us about God. He performed miracles. A lot of things are recorded in the Bible. But ultimately, in the ultimate expression of love, Jesus died for us. I imagine for those who watch the cross, uh, it appeared to be a tragedy that day that Jesus died. But I want you to understand that when God is in something, there is always more there than we can see. And if ever that was true, it was true of the cross. Because on the cross, on that Friday that Jesus died, the sins of all people were placed on the Savior. My sin, your sin. What we learn in the cross is God out of His love for us. He made the payment for our sin debt when we couldn't. And it was sufficient for all because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. So in the cross, we see the ugliness of our sin. But we also see the greatness of God's love. But that's just a part of the story. It's not the end of the story. Because just a short distance away from the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a tomb. And that Friday afternoon, Jesus' body was placed into that tomb and a stone was rolled against the opening and the stone was sealed and the guards were set. And you kind of think, well, surely the disciples, and we get this from the Gospels, it's it's a tragic story. But on that first Easter Sunday morning, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead 
<laughs> the stone was rolled away. The disciples were called to that place and they saw the empty tomb in the days that followed. They saw the risen Savior. <laughs> if the cross is the ultimate demonstration of God's love, then the resurrection, the empty tomb, is the ultimate demonstration of the greatness of God's power. We know in the cross that God loves us and that Jesus died for our sins. But in the empty tomb, it is a place of hope that regardless of what death from sin has caused in our life and our alienation from God and from others and the brokenness in our world, that God can transform anything. He can take death and bring it life. And you see the truth of that first Easter and this Easter almost 2,000 years ago later is that out of tragedy, God brings triumph. Today, you and I are confronted by this story, the story of the cross and the empty tomb, confronted by the greatness of God's love and of His power. And we ha have this also in common, that all of us have an opportunity now to place our faith in Christ But please understand that we not only have an opportunity, but all of us have something else in common. That all of us also have an appointment with God. All of us someday will die, just like Eddie Meek did that day. And we will appear before God, and we will give an account of our lives. Um, the story includes all of us that day we will stand before God though as an individual not as a group what will you say to God that day hmm. there'll only be one answer that will be sufficient that I was a sinner that trusted my life to the finished and all-sufficient work of Jesus on the cross. And I trusted my life that the God who could raise Jesus from the dead could also give me life, eternal life. And so our only plea will be in that cross, and in that empty tomb that Jesus would finish his work in our lives because we had trusted our lives to him. It's just like the old hymn. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. Uh, this morning I'm going to ask you to pray with me.
And I know you're sitting in your living room. You're sitting somewhere else. I don't know, maybe you're sitting outside. Maybe you're watching this later. But I would ask that you would join me in prayer. And I want to give you opportunity as we pray today uh, to place your faith in Christ. That your story would become a part of God's story. That as you place your faith in Christ, that your sins would be put to death on the cross. And then you would come to the empty tomb to experience the transformation that Jesus brings, who brings life out of death. And just in these moments of prayer, would you pray the prayer to just commit your life to Christ? Pray it in your heart. You can pray it silently. You can pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner. And I've chosen to do my own thing. I turn away from my sin. And I ask you to forgive me. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I ask that you would come into my life and you would save me and you would change me. I commit my life to you from this day forward. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. If that is a prayer that you have prayed and you know that Christ has saved you, I want you to reach out to me. Uh, you can send me a message on Facebook, on the church's Facebook page. You can email me directly. You can call me, call the church office. Uh, but I want to know about the decision that you've made and encourage you in that. And on this Easter Sunday morning, I want to I close in prayer and pray for all of us, many of us who... <laughs> Jesus' story of the cross and the empty tomb have been our story for many years. I pray that God would encourage the story that I've told this morning, that we would go and tell our story to those. Um, that God would use that to change more and more lives. And so, Father, today we thank you for your greatness, the greatness of your love and your power. We pray that we would live in that today in the days that follow in the midst of the crisis that we find ourselves in. Uh, that, Father, you would show us the opportunities we have. And we just pray we'd live for you. Father, we love you. Thank you for just being such an awesome God. And um, we love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.